You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, today on Walk It Out, I'm chatting with my good friend, Brenda Yoder. Brenda is a licensed mental health counselor, a speaker, a Bible teacher, an educator, and a parent of teens and young adults. And she has a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling and a bachelor's degree in education. Brenda's work has been published in the Washington Post and Chicken Soup for the Soul. She is awesome. I'm so excited to dig in to her, her book, Fledge, today in the Subtitle is Launching Your Kids Without Losing Your Mind. And I know this is going to be a great conversation. So welcome, Brenda. Thank you, Trisha. I'm so excited to be here. I love all that you share. I mean, I connect with you online and I love, I've you know watched your Insta stories. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Um, and I love how you just encourage parents, encourage all of us to, um, you know, parent our kids well when they're in the home, but also when they leave the home. So I want you to tell me a little bit about Fledge. And I love where the word came from. So explain what, what Fledge means. Sure. So Fledge means um, to put feathers on an arrow um, or for a young bird's wing feathers to be strong for flight. And um, I have to give the credit for the title to the um, marketing team at Herald Press because they're the ones who came up with it. Um, And it really was God-ordained because the whole book really is centered around Psalm 127, um, like arrows in hands of a warrior, children born of of one's youth. And and I I just love the imagery of, of both of those pictures of really helping our children develop strong wing feathers so that they are prepared for life um, as adults, not just right away, but over a lifespan. But then also that image of putting um, feathers on an arrow because God does intend for us to release our children into the life that he has for them, not for the life that we want to continue holding on to for them. Yeah, and I think so many parenting resources you know, talk about this is what you do with your toddlers. This is what you do with your elementary school teachers. And all of a sudden our kids are in high school or getting ready to start college. And we're, we don't know what to do. We don't know how much input we, what we should give, if we should, you know, demand that they do it this way or, you know, talk to them about things. I think so many times it's that transition period where parents really struggle. And I know it's a time that either can bring you close in your relationship or really as the kids are trying to break away, really build a wedge. So I would just love to hear in general, kind of your own experiences um, with launching your kids and what went well and maybe what are some things you would have done differently? Sure. So um, like you, I have kids. I don't have as many kids as you have. I only have four, but um, four over different stages. So they're all three years apart. So I think when it really started hitting me was when I was parenting kind of young adults, 
but also teenagers and then elementary kids. And what I what I found um, initially was that I tend to just still kind of parent to them the same way, kind of right. like, you know, so I'm telling, you know, I'm telling my elementary kid what to do and I'm telling my high school kid what to do and I'm telling my college kid what to do when they come back home for the summer and um, realizing that young adults are supposed to move towards independence and autonomy. And, um, and even for seniors, I know for myself that the senior years tended to be hard because it's kind of like they're, they're restless and they're, they're half adult, but they're, they're not adult yet. And so, um, so I think there's just always a rude awakening in realizing that you've been parenting these kids and you've had a hand in their life all along. But there is this transition and there's, there's not a mile marker unless we count like graduate high school graduation or something like that, that says, Hey, wait a minute, I'm old enough to start making decisions on my own. And I, and God has designed me to be separate from you, mom, or God has designed me to be independent from you. But that doesn't mean that we don't ever give them voice or thought. Um, One thing I've realized in recent conversations with one of my adult children is that um, I I have released, like when I give my thoughts or input, they tend to um, think that I'm still trying to tell them what to do. And I've mm. literally had the conversation saying, like, no, I really don't care. Like, you don't need to be defensive about what I just said. I'm just kind of giving you something to think about. And, um, and, and I've realized that. And, and so with my adult children, we actually have these conversations sometimes of me kind of saying like, Hey, here are my thoughts, but I want you to know you're completely released to do what you want to with them. It's just a different perspective to think about on their side. Um, sometimes it's helpful when they just say, mom, I just need you to listen. I don't want your advice. And then that kind of tells me, Oh, okay. I know what my role is. My role is to just listen. And to not really give advice. So that's been helpful, at least with one of my adult kids, for us to be able to kind of say up front what we're bringing to the table so that they don't feel like I'm trying to micromanage their life. Right. And it's such a tough balance. And I think every kid is different too. There's some kids that can just fill out their own paperwork and do their own things and they sign up for this at college. And then there's some that I've felt I've had to handhold more and we, you know, we need to sit down together or it's not going to get done. But I've even found with that, um, one of my daughters, I really helped her fill out all the scholarship stuff and Mm -hmm. go to the college and pick up the paperwork and help her do it. And she did really bad in school, but it was like she was again just trying to do what I asked her to do instead of really taking it on as her own and uh this last semester you know I'm like you can choose to go or you can choose not to go you're gonna have to take care of it yourself and Mm -hmm. she went and registered herself I mean she did it because she decided this is what I want to do and she's been more dedicated about doing her work um staying caught up in everything because it was her choice instead of mom's like, okay, this is what you should do. This is how, you know, how you should study. And, um, I think they do need, even if they fail, um, Mm -hmm. they do need a chance to tackle those things on their own. Um, because, you know, we aren't going to be there every step of the way when in their twenties and thirties and, you know, Mm -hmm. helping them do these things. They need to learn how to do it themselves. 
And Trisha, what you said with your daughter is incredibly important. And I'm seeing that from both sides, both from the child side and from the adult side in working with, with kids. And, um, and also I used to be a um, high school teacher and I was senior class sponsor and taught seniors. I taught senior government um, for several years. And what I saw among a lot of kids was exactly what you said, which is when they start making decisions for themselves and not for their parents or for who they think others think they should be, they really start taking ownership for it. And um, sometimes that's a, a hard process for parents to step back and see them do because sometimes they flounder before they kind of find what it is that they want to do. But um, the human nature is that we really do invest in what, what gives purpose and meaning to us. And it gives us equity when we, when we kind of, um, do things because, because there's something in it for us rather than meeting up to a parent's expectations or the family expectations or something like that. Um, it really does build, um, more of, uh, just an intrinsic, uh, meaning for kids, which we rob them of when we don't give them the freedom like you did your daughter to, Hey, this is your choice. You know, this is your choice to do this. And um, what a beautiful example of you've seen her take that on for her own. And then it has become part of her own growing identity that is happening for kids in the older teen and young adult years. Yeah. And, and right now, even some of the classes, she's still struggling. Some she's doing well in. And I said, you know, um, English is the stuff she's struggling. This is one of our adopted girls. But I said, you know, if you need help, I'm here. Just let me know. But it's in her court. It's not me saying you come over. I'm going to help you with this. Mm-hmm. We're going to get this essay done or whatever. Um, and if she reaches out to me, I'm, I'm glad to help her. If she doesn't, well, you know, she's going to have to figure it out. But right. I think one of the things that has helped me the most with my kids that are teens and those young adults, you know, just getting into college years is seeing I have three adult children that are 30, 27 and 25 and seeing um, the things that they do need to be prepared for life. And even as my kids are in the home that are high schoolers, I'll say, you know, I really think you should do this. Um, I'm going to leave it up to you because you're going to be an adult someday. And that's more of my thinking now because I see like those are the older kids. These are the things that they're having to deal with. And so I'm trying to encourage them while they're still in my home, like, for example, they get money for doing chores. And I'll say, okay, this is a system that I think you could, you could use to save up money. I know we make them buy their own cell phones. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you you could figure out how much you want to save, but it's up to you if you're going to save that money and get a cell phone. um, And you'll be able to communicate better with your friends and, uh, or if you just want to spend it on the candy and the sodas Mm -hmm. and all those things. But instead of me, forcing them or trying to do these things, giving them guidelines, but then it truly is up to them because later when they are adults, they're going to have to make those decisions for themselves. Right. And and that's what I've heard from, from several young adults that I've worked with is a real anxiety about not being able to face the adult world. And I think as parents and, and and parents do it well-meaning, we do it because we love our kids and we want to do things for our kids. And I think that's part of the the stretch for moms who 
who really love nurturing kids and doing things for our kids, then all of a sudden we have to really start taking our hands off and letting them do things for themselves um, is because um, seeing kids not succeed in the adult world is something that as parents, um, like that's a hard thing to see. And um, one thing that I mentioned, which is exactly what you shared is when we can allow our kids to kind of struggle with some of these things when they're in the home, when they, mm-hmm. when they are teenagers, then there's a safety net underneath them, right? So if you think about that young bird who's trying to develop strong wing feathers that are ready for its own flight, it's better for them to struggle and fail and develop that strength while they're in the safety net of being a dependent, of being a teenager within the home, because when they do go out and are among their peers and are really faced with adult responsibilities and they fail there's not that safety net there. Or um, if we do swoop in and try to pick them up, there becomes more of a, um, I think they, their self-worth feels less because right. they, they know should, they should be having, they, they know should, they should have those skills, but they don't. And so that's where a lot of um, anxiety and a lot of depression, a lot of feeling ill-equipped is happening among, um, 20 somethings is because, um, they, they literally do feel that they aren't equipped for the challenges and just the basic skills that are happening around them. Yeah, I I think that is so true. And um, I think so many times our lives are focused on playing the sports and doing the activities. Well, now that's different. (laughs) That's different these days when we're all at home. But um, we don't often take the time. Okay, this is how you write a grocery list or this is how you know I mean even those basic life skills stuff um we don't take the time to do it and I've been so much more focused on trying to do that um with the kids you know that we adopted we adopted them as teens and so it's like I feel like there's this ticking not time bomb but there's this this clock that's going okay I have this amount of time to prepare them but those skills it's amazing when we give them just basic skills, you know, doing laundry and cooking and stuff that does mm-hmm. give them confidence for other things. And um, they know that they can go out, they can shop, they can, you know, take care of their money, they can have a meal and have yeah. friends over. Um, it just makes them confident. And I think so many times in our effort to help them, we are really, really hindering them. And like you said, their own feelings of self-worth that they can tackle these things. Right. I think, I think as a, um, you know, as a, um, especially as a public school educator, I know as a, I know for myself that in the role that I was as a public school teacher and working with other people's kids, and then, you know, working with my own kids, there's this element sometimes when we, when we, when we can step back and see our child in, in their world that often surprises us. So, you know, there, there were times when, um, as a public educator, um, our kids went to the same high school that I taught at. And so, um, when I was teaching juniors and seniors, um, for my professional career, and then all of a sudden my kids were that age, I kind of had to tell myself, Oh no, now wait a minute. I expected this amount, like this, this level of work from, from my juniors and seniors. And now my kids that age, Oh, wait a minute. I need to step back because they need to be, they need to be held to those same standards too, not just in the classroom, but just in general expectations. And I think sometimes when we see our kids 
in their peer group outside of the, the perspective of they're my kids and I just want them to be happy and I want the best for them, realizing that sometimes our kids really have deficits among their peer group, among what really is expected of them because we, we can't see it objectively. And so there's a um, term that I use called don't steal the struggle. And um, it's, it's one that has come from the field of education in talking with parents and even working with kids to say, we actually rob our kids of opportunities to succeed and to be, um, to become who God has created them to be when we steal every struggle from them, whether that's learning how to make dinner, whether that's doing your own laundry or stepping back a little bit, even from a real problem that they're experiencing because we want to swoop in and, and make it better for them and help them. Yeah, that is so good. And I think the struggles um, are compound- compounded with everything that's happening now. And I know you talk a lot about the balance between boundaries and freedom. And I've personally talked to friends and um, I just interviewed uh, September McCarthy last week. And we she talked about now her kids that were away at college are now home. Um, you yeah. know, so they had this level of independence and she said the biggest struggle right now is that balance of boundaries and freedom where they should be at, away at college. They should be doing their own thing, but they're mm-hmm. not. They're home. They're wanting to do things differently. And there's younger siblings there. Um, and I know you talk about that too, you know, balancing parenting the younger kids with the older kids. I would just love some advice for maybe those that are struggling with older kids that, um, you know, whether it's because of world events or just personal reasons, older kids that do have to come home for a time that were, you know, had that little taste of independence. What encouragement do you have for parents about that? Yeah, because that's actually what's happened in our home. My Both my college sons have had to move home. Um, and I had a daughter who was on the mission field, and then she moved home for a year um, before going back out um, when we still had younger kids in the home. The, the number one piece of advice is that even though they're in your home, they still need independence and autonomy. So the basic rule is having the same expectations for them as you would if they were living on their own and also giving them the same respect of freedom and privacy as you would if they were living on your own. So um, what that means is that you do parent them different. So there's going to be whines from younger kids who are going to say, why does he get to stay up until three o'clock in the morning and play video games? I've got to be off the video games at 10 o'clock. Well, because if he was in his dorm room, he probably would be up until three o'clock playing video games. And, um, and that's okay. Um, but you are still 15 and that's not okay for you because, you know, your brain's still developing and, um, we don't have in, in, and we have those rules for you because you're 15. So, um, it, it really is about not expecting your adult child to be held to the same rules and regulations that were the, were this were the safety mechanisms for them when they were teenagers because they're not teenagers anymore. So there's a level of respect on both sides. There's a mm-hmm. level of respect of okay, so you're living in your in our home. We understand that it's not your number one choice, especially for the situation right now. Um, but to be able to sit down and really talk about expectations, I've got um, a chapter in Fledge that really kind of spells out some of those things to talk with them about. And it really is about talking, talking about expectations, because what, 
what happens is that we tend to put expectations on our teens. We tend to expect that they're going to come home and um, do everything that we tell them to do just like we did when they were younger. And that's, that's not fair to them. I think when all of us were 22 or 21, I know if I would have had to move back at home for an extended period um, after living on my own, um, I would not have wanted to be treated like I was when I was a teenager too. So clear expectations, but then also understanding that um, your adult children are adults who are living in your home and they should not be held to the same um, expectations or the same kind of regulations as younger kids. But on the flip side, that means that they're still living in your home. So what does that look like? Does that look like they still do their own laundry? They take care of personal space or shared space? Does that still mean that you give them privacy in their bedroom? You know, just really talking about every family system is different. Um, so um, just encouraging everyone to think about um, respect on both sides. We'll respect you, but you also need to respect the home you're coming back into and and then think about what that looks like. Yeah. And I, I think those conversations need to just happen all around with the adult child, with the younger kids. Um, we had a daughter, that daughter that was away at college and she came back um, for a semester and then now she's uh, not living at home anymore. But, you know, when she was back, the, the younger kids like, well, she going to be back on the chore chart because you know, we have a chore right. chart. And, I, right. and we said no, but I know her and I would say this in front of her, you know, I know her personality and she does like helping out. So I'm sure if she sees something, mm-hmm. she will help me. Or even there'd be times where she'd just be, you know, looking at YouTube videos and I'm like, I'm making dinner. You want to come help? And she was more than willing to come and help. But it's not the same level of, OK, it's Monday. You have the kitchen and tomorrow, Tuesday, you're going to clean the bathroom. It wasn't the same level. Right. And just, you know, talking to the kids about that. And we also said, well, you know what? She does have to pay for her own car insurance and her own cell phone. And she mm-hmm. has her responsibilities. And, you know, and just talking with the younger kids, with your adult child, you know, m- my husband and I would discuss things together about the requirements. And it is true. I mean, you can invite them to do those sorts of things, but it isn't the same as, okay, today it's your day. You have to unload the dishwasher. <laughs> No, you're exactly right. And and I know even for myself, we just had a conversation in our own home about this about a week ago. So I've got a college senior who's at home and a college freshman that had to both move home unexpectedly. And um, there was something that I was co- contemplating about either making my senior son do or something. I can't even remember specifically what it was. And my, my college freshman, as he was listening to me contemplate this, he said, fledge mom, fledge, which, (laughs) which meant that, and my kids are pretty good about this. They are pretty good about being real honest with, um, with me at least about what is not, what is not okay with their siblings and with expectations as they get older to be adults. And so he was just calling me on it. He was saying, mom, like that's, you're over kind of, you're kind of overstepping your bounds with that. And so, you know, it's, it's real good to be able to um, listen to each other because I think we do tend to function out of the funnel of being a parent. And part of watching our kids grow up and part of releasing this type of more of a uh, supervisor role that we've had on our kids for so long and 
releasing them into their own life, it becomes very subjective for us. I I think if we're honest, I think almost all moms that I talk to um, about this fledging stage of letting go, especially when you're still parenting younger kids. And that's why Fledge specifically is written. Anyone who's releasing kids can benefit from the book, but it was specifically designed for for families just like yours, Trisha, and the ones mm-hmm. we're talking about where you aren't empty nest yet because you have kids who are leaving, but you're still parenting because there really is a stretch and a strain there, whether they're moving back at home or not. Um, because you're doing, you're, you're parenting the younger kids a certain way, but you still are parents to these young adult and adult children. And so you're stretched in a brand new way as a parent because you you do have to let go in different ways. You do have to have different expectations and it doesn't feel natural to you. Um, my husband and I were empty nesters for six months. So our youngest (laughs) one went to college this fall and making that transition when you're not parenting younger kids is a cleaner break because it's, it's a new system. But when you're still being a parent to younger kids and you're parenting young adults and adult children, it can be stretching in a way that just takes you by storm. And with new situations that come up, um, there's, there's just no simple answer sometimes. I love what you're saying there because as we're balancing all these things, It really is looking at the unique needs of each child at the level that they're at. And our younger kids do need that handholding, like walking them through. But the older kids might just need, you know, we might even need to hold back and wait until they come to us for advice instead of giving that advice. Right. And that that goes against, again, everything that's in our nature. And I I think that's what's hard for for parents for us as our kids start leaving the nest and as we're, we're raising them is that all of a sudden it's kind of this switch of, of like, wait a minute, I've been doing this my whole life. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years, for 30 years. And all of a sudden, um, I'm having to switch gears. And the, the thing with, um, the thing that I have seen, I know I struggled with it myself. It's one of the reasons why I wrote Fledge, why I even, um, proposed the book was because I found that um, when my third one was going to college, so so the summer before my third one went to college, which just meant I had one at home, I really started wrestling with the fact that I was almost done parenting. I was almost done in this nurturing kind of taking care of my kids. And while I enjoyed my adult kids, I didn't want this phase to end. And I what I find um, with women is that we tend to hold on more. So it's kind of like, even as our last one approaches adulthood, um, we tend to hold on even more because we don't want it to end. And yet we actually hold back our young adults from moving forward into the life and into that independence and autonomy that God has planned for them. Or you can do just what I did and adopt seven more kids. (laughs) (laughs) After your youngest is about ready to launch, we purposely didn't do that. But looking back now, I'm like, yeah, our youngest was 16 and then we adopted a newborn. (laughs) Maybe that was what was really going on during that time. Yeah, no, I I know for myself, Trisha, in fact, when my, I 
I wanted a tag along child. In fact, I, I write about this in Fledge in a, um, a chapter where it's kind of about, you know, giving up, realizing this grief, this grief and loss. For me, giving up childhood was a big grief and loss. And I found that even when my youngest was, um, he was only one home his last three years in high school, I really envied um, my peers who had younger children mm-hmm. or who did do what you did of, you know, we're going to adopt or, or something like that. I found myself grieving because I, I absolutely love being a mom and mm-hmm. I absolutely love childhood. And, um, it was a real, I really had to wrestle with giving that up and not, um, holding on to things in a way that was in an unhealthy way, just because of what I felt I needed. Yeah. And I think what I, what I hear you saying too, so many times our own emotions kind of direct the way we approach our kids when we're not being like, this is not in the best interest of this child right now, but my emotions are getting involved. And I think so many times, like, for example, our third, um, he went to college for a year and a half. And then he decided he wanted to, um, you know, stop going to college. He was he wrote his own his first book, which you know it's really exciting for uh-huh. me as an author. But my emotions are, you're not going to be able to survive. <laughs> yeah. I'm an author and, and it's worries and fears and what's going to happen. And he worked at Panera and he worked at Walmart. And I'm thinking, okay, is this is he going to be content with this or what's really going on? And it really what I what I saw was um, sometimes even if they're struggling and trying to find out who they are or what they want to do, that that doesn't mean that's going to be their course for life. And so my emotions were all wrapped up with worry for him when he ended up after a while. He's like, OK, yeah, I don't want to work at Walmart my whole life. Um, and he's back in college now. He's doing excellent. He's uh, you know taking classes that are super challenging to him, but he needed that time to figure it out himself. And me griping at him or complaining or being worried, all my emotions were not going to help him during that time. And it really, t- I mean, it just really turned to me turning to prayer and asking God to guide him instead of trying to like, you really need to go back to college or you really need to do this. Like that, my worries and fears for him speaking them would not have helped him in that situation. No, you're exactly right. And that, that happened with my firstborn. Um, she was looking at a college that was, um, four States away. It was, you know, 11 hours away. And, and I just remember kind of having this thought in my head of, well, I need to tell her that she needs to make a decision about this particular college that was only a couple hours away from home. And God really stepped on me and said, Brenda, um, I'm like, I've got a conversation going with her that doesn't include you. (laughs) And she's the one who ended up being a missionary. And it was almost, it was like, God was telling me, I'm called, I have a plan for her life. And this is a stepping stone. And if I'm calling her farther away, then you have to be okay with her going to a college so many um, hours away. And it really was a wake up call to me as a mom to understand, oh, wait a minute, my emotions do get involved. And um, even right now, you know, so I've got a college senior whose interview plans and career plans right now are completely on hold. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I can, um, in my brain, I can really spend a lot of time of what ifs, what ifs, well, maybe he should look at graduate school if, you know, if he doesn't have um, that opportunity for what he was hoping for and things like that. But I've got to just back off and understand. And what I recognize in my older kids is that 
um, they really don't, they really don't want their emotional mom telling them what to do. Like, in Mm -hmm. fact, I, I, my, my kids will tell me, like, I can read it in their faces when they know that I'm coming from a more emotional place rather than a logical place. They really don't want anything to do with that. And, um, because there's something about, I think us as adults, like even, um, you know, again, kind of putting ourselves in our young adult shoes, do they want emotional mom, like hovering over them, looking out the window saying, Oh, I'm so worried. You know, are they okay? No, because they really want to know that they that they've got this and that they have the capacity to even make fail, make mistakes. They even if you fail at something and have a mom who's standing there saying, "Oh, you've got this." Um, and, and and I think that that's something I have to remind myself of too is that they need us to be strong for them rather than for us to be, um, you know, worrying about it. Yeah. And I think um, all the things that sound great when they're little, when it comes to reality mm-hmm. might be difficult, both that you and I have daughters who are missionaries. And right. when she was eight and said, I want to be a missionary, it's like, oh, this is wonderful. We read all the mission, you know, Gladys Alward and all these right. books. We did too. And then <laughs> when she was 21 and is moving to Europe by herself to work with the church, um, it was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I thought this was a great idea. And I just remember wrestling with myself. It, was, it wasn't like I was speaking these things to her, but it's like, oh, you know, I can't, I'm not there to protect her. And what if things happen? And I'm, you know, she doesn't have me to, you know, pick her up from take her right. to the emergency room or all these things. And I just right. remember God's spirit speaking. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was like, would you rather have her across the world doing what I asked her to do or her in your own town doing what you ask her to do? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. And she's done great. And there was even experience when she was on a hiking trip that she had an allergic reaction to a bee and she's never had that before. And she did have to go to the emergency room and get in, you know, I mean, so something did happen and God still took care of her. Um, and it just was to show me like, I, God has this and he has plans for our kids and yes, we're raising them to be world changers. And then we have to like, let go and let them do that <laughs> instead of trying to keep our grass. Cause what can I do? Like, I can't do anything to protect my child, but God has, uh, my child in, in his hands. Trisha, you just really said, I think what is the, the crux of letting go of our kids it really is the reality. The reality really is that we raise them to have their own relationship with God. We raise them to um, to walk in His ways, whether they choose that. Um, you know, a lot of people are walking away from the faith, and and there again, it's really about releasing our children into the hands of God. Mm-hmm. And I had the same thought process too. My daughter um, lived in Guatemala for. Um, for several months at a time and then um, moved back home and then decided to be a full-time missionary with um, back-to-back ministries. And when they were looking at where to place her, um, the, you know, the country that they were going to put her in, my initial response was, no, that's unsafe, you know? And I had that same conversation with God of, wow, like, do I really trust him or do I not? Like, that's mm-hmm. what the bottom line is. Do we really trust God with our kids, whether they're living in our home and not walking with him, whether they're living in our own town and 
choosing to, to not involve us in all their information or what they're doing in their life or whether they live, you know, whether they get married and live hours away or whatever it is, do we truly trust God with our children? And I know for myself that that's really humbling because we spend, I think as Christians, Christian moms who are intent upon raising our kids according to scripture and faith, there's an actual transaction that takes place when we release our children. And it Mm -hmm. truly is letting them go and, and not placing them in God's hands because they've really been in God's hands all along. If we're right. just honest with ourselves, <laughs> we just think we have more right, control than right. we do. Right. Oh, I just love this conversation so much. I highly recommend Fledge. Um, I and I think you know you don't have to wait until you have an eighteen-year-old to start reading it <laughs> for sure. No, you no. know, read it and start preparing your heart uh, and prayerfully go before God and just and even like I said, it helped me so much having adult kids knowing how to interact with my elementary, my uh, you know, junior high, my high school kids. It just helps us look ahead and see how we need to prepare, how we need to pray, how we need to plan to help them be um, successful adults who are seeking God, who are turning to him. I think um, this is a great book to go through with your spouse and start having these conversations now. I think you can never be too prepared to launch a child over prepared. I think all the things that come up, um, you're going to need the wisdom that that you have given us, Brenda. So I am so thankful that you've taken the time and you really have made this an easy book to read, a helpful book to read. And I know it'll really bless a lot of parents. Well, thank you so much. I really, um, I really did write it for, um, I say anyone who like, if your oldest is starting high school until your youngest one is probably leaving college, um, anywhere in there, because it's such a transitional phase of life, not just for our kids, but I think even for us as parents, um, we hit midlife during this time, you know, our friend groups change, um, our, our own bodies are changing. We're, a lot of us are um, taking care of elderly parents. And so all of those pieces become part of our life. That is just, Mm -hmm. it feels really vulnerable. And I think that's the one word that, that I keep on coming back to about when you've kind of got your, it's such a big change of life, probably the biggest change since you've had your first child. Um, because, everything is new and different and there isn't quite a roadmap. And, and again, you've got, you've got a lot of grief that's going on, but then a lot of changes. And, um, so I really just wanted to encourage parents and kind of share some of the, um, I tried to really cover a lot of the nuances that do happen during this time and including marriage issues, you know, um, a, a lot of marriages actually, really grow during this time, but a lot of them actually become more strained because right. I think even as, um, as moms, we might grieve differently in the letting go process than our husbands do. And, um, it, and then there's the, the fact of if we haven't nurtured our marriage relationship during the years, the kids have been home, then all of a sudden you're kind of staring at your husband when the last one leaves and you're like, Oh, uh, okay. It, it, what, we what am I going to do with so you? Much. Yeah. It's so common. Yeah. Um, I know for myself, even that even before our youngest went to college at this fall, um, there was a, probably two years ago, I had this conversation 
And I just told my husband, I said, it's not that I don't want to spend time with you or that I'm not looking forward to the times that we're together more by ourselves. Cause that, that happens even when your kids are in the home, you know, the more, um, the more, uh, social they are, they're gone more working more, they're gone, you know, they're not as right. around as much, but I, I told him, I said, it's not so much that I don't want to be with you. It's just that I really miss being with my kids. And that's that, good. Yeah. That was a conversation that I, that he and I've had over and over again so that, um, it's so that he doesn't take it personally, but, uh, I think moms and dads release in different ways and keeping that conversation open is important. And I think the thing we need to remember is it's a different stage, but it also can be a great stage. And um, my adult daughter who lives in Europe, we talk almost every day on video call and we just have mm-hmm. great conversations. And it's, she was my hardest child growing up. She was so strong willed. And just the other day, my husband said, would you ever have imagined that your hardest child to raise would now be your best friend? And I never had never really thought about it that way, but we talk every single day and you know, it, we just look forward to that. And then my, my adult sons who both live in town, they're over, well, one hasn't been over because of the quarantine, but because he has little kids and all this stuff. But um, the one that lives independently still comes over and we play board games and card games and watch movies. Mm-hmm. And it is a great relationship. So it's just a different relationship. And I think that really helps to know that if we handle this well, <laughs> if we handle it prayerfully and with mm-hmm. respect for our adult child, really great relationships that you can enjoy um, can come out of it. Oh, for uh, definitely. In fact, I have joked because my my two college kids that have moved home, I like them. Yes. You know, like like <laughs> I I really do. Like I don't know who they were when they weren't when they left the last time. Well, our our older college son has played college basketball and he's had internships the last two summers, so he hasn't really been home since his freshman year in college. And so they both moved home and and they like, I like them. They mm-hmm. pick up after themselves and they're, they're respectful and they really, we actually eat dinner together and they add to, to the conversation. And I was like, who were the you people? Cause you weren't the same people who were here the last time you were home last summer. Yeah. And, um, and so there is this element of joy and hope that I think when, when, when you're in the middle of the transition between letting your kids go and really, really starting to enjoy them as their individual people. And in return, they start enjoying us as individual Mm -hmm. people. I think when they're not fighting for their own identity, you know, when we as moms can step back and say, I may not agree with what you're, with what you're doing or with what you're deciding, but, but it's, it's your, it's your thing. It's your life. And I'm going to respect that. You mentioned that word respect, Trisha. And I just think that that is paramount is that more than anything, kids of all ages, but especially our teens and young adults need us to respect them, even if we don't agree with them. Yeah. Wow. So good. Well, Brenda, this has been an excellent conversation. Um, Where can people find out more information about Fledge? They can find it out um, at my website at brendayoder.com or at any of their the major um, online retailers, Amazon, Walmart, um, Barnes & Noble. And they can also get a free audio download of Chapter 1 if they go to our my the publisher's website. So if you go to heraldpress.com and um, look for Fledge, they can get a free download um, for Chapter 1 on Mom Grief in an audio version. 
I just love this conversation with Brenda so much. I really respect her. She gives such great advice and she is a mom who is walking through it, who is living through it, but also with all her counseling experience, her teaching experience, I just love how she's able to make it so accessible, the information that we need to raise our kids, to launch our kids well. And um, I just encourage you to continue to check out her blogs. And I, again, on Instagram, I love watching her videos. So she has so much great stuff for us. Um, now, the Walk It Out first for today is the one that she mentioned, which is Psalm 127.4. And this is what it says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children's of one's youth. And I just love that picture of an arrow that we are launching. And um, an arrow isn't going to go far if we hold back, if we don't prepare the arrow well, if we don't get those feathers straight, um, to, to continue this analogy. But we really need to work to launch our kids, to help them, to move them straight to God. And I uh, was just reading this morning as I was studying my Bible, the verse that talks about train up your child in the way um, he should go. That word train in Hebrew actually means to give them a taste, to give your child a taste of independence, a taste of life, a taste of faith, a taste of service in your community. All these things are preparing our children so that we can launch them well. And um, I think so many of us, we struggle because we do let our own emotions get caught up, the feelings that we're not needed as much, the worries about our kids. And maybe we do see them making bad decisions and we want to change things or point them in the right direction or tell them what to do. And I think so many times we just need to take those worries and fears to God, which I've been doing a lot lately, and just lifting them up to Him and knowing that God is in control and God loves our kids even more um, than we do. So let me just pray for us today. First, Lord, I just thank you so much for Brenda. I thank you for the truth and the wisdom that she speaks in the lives of so many parents. I thank you that she's a model for us and even as she parents her own kids for us to watch and to follow um, and just continue to bless her in her ministry, Lord. And right now, I pray for so many parents, maybe those that are struggling as they parent tweens and teens and young adults, those who may have older kids that are back in the home that are struggling with that respect and that communication, Lord, I pray for them. I pray for parents who are struggling with the balance of boundaries and freedoms and who don't know how to pray. I pray that even if they don't know how to pray, that they will turn to you, Lord. And I pray for those moms that do have the grief and do have the worries and do have the concerns, um, all those emotions, Lord. I just pray for um, that mom out there, that dad out there that really needs strength and support. Lord, I thank you so much that you are always there listening to our worries and concerns. You are there and you care for us and you guide us even as we guide our children. I pray that you will be with everyone today, um, no matter the ages of their kids, that you will just strengthen them and encourage them. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here, for connecting. You can find all information about Brenda's book, Fledge, and about any other other podcasts at walkitoutpodcast.com. There'll be lots of notes and graphics you can share, information. So just be sure to let others know about Walk It Out so they too may be encouraged. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. 
head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.